is Angela, and this is the Homestead Education Podcast, where we talk all things homesteading, and we want to share our passion and experience for this lifestyle with you. Hello, you all. Welcome back to this episode of Homestead Education. I guess I should say welcome back to Homestead Education, right? This episode is uh, going to be all about small space gardening. Okay, this is Mandy. Angela's with me. Hi, Angela. Hey, Mandy. How are you? So good. Good. So we are, gosh, it's the first day of winter. Okay, so this feels maybe a little bit symbolic. I don't know. Maybe a little bit weird to be talking about gardening in, in, in the dead of winter or the start of winter, but it's actually the most important time to, to start planning and talking about these things. And um, we did cover in a, in a previous episode about how to start a garden and seed starting and all types of things like that. Um, but in an effort to reach a broad audience, and gosh, I mean, I implement small space gardening as well. Uh, we we wanted to kind of talk about what it looks like to garden on a patio, what it looks like to garden um, still in a rural setting, but you maybe don't have an acre um, that you garden. Um, so we're going to cover all things like patio, what you, what you could do on your patio, what you could do in your windowsill, vertical growing, things like that. Um, and we implement most all of these these things in a in a big garden because you can squeeze more in. Yeah. Well, and to we we say this a lot throughout this podcast series, homesteading is not something you do when you live solely on two acres, six acres, a thousand acres. It's a mindset. And I know plenty of people who have taken to homesteading from literally an apartment. Um it's relevant to everyone's small space growing because I want to grow things indoors in the wintertime. Um, I grow things on my windowsill. I grow things in containers so that they can be moved in and out of doors throughout the winter and then moved back into the house or the greenhouse. So it is important for everyone to consider small space growing. Maybe you're moving. Maybe you can't, maybe you have an injury, but you want to have a few herbs and you can't physically get from point A to point B. Be, be, being the garden from your house. Um, I wanted to garden, but I knew that I was moving in July and I was too stubborn. And so I decided to start everything in pots in April and in May, and I took it all with me. So there's a lot of reasons why container gardening could be relevant, but it's not as easy as throw some dirt in a pot and call it good. There's tips, there's tricks, there's a little know-how. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yes. Yes, it does look a little bit different. I mean, actually, physically, and also what you are doing with these um, spaces, if you will, uh, you treat them a little bit different because it's it's smaller and it's not, you know, you're bringing things inside, outside, you know, different elements. Um, you don't actually have sometimes the actual, you know, outside nature um, that helps us so much with, with actual, you know, gardening in the ground. So it, it is... It is different, but we're going to kind of cover it. So, I mean, I don't know. Let's just dive right in. I mean, I think the biggest thing, in my opinion, when I am thinking about planting something in a raised bed or just like in a plot in the ground versus doing something in like a terracotta pot or whatever kind of pot you have, and you're doing that because, like you said, you're going to bring it inside or you're going to try and overwinter it 
or you're moving or whatever the situation is, the biggest um, thing to consider, in my opinion, and you can interject, is the the type of soil that you use or the type of amendments that you are actually using in that um, pot, if you will. If you think about it, it's literally that pot is the nutrients, right? That's that's what you got. Um, there's nothing else. You're you're in control of that. There's nothing else. You're not dealing with any so pros and cons, I guess. Now that I think about it, you're not dealing with a lot of the outside um, implications, uh, but you also don't have you know, worms and, you know, the beneficial insects and the pollinators and so many things like that. So you are really in control of that tiny little pot. So making sure that, um, I guess the best way to describe it is making sure that it's fed appropriately, amended appropriately. That's, that's the the key here. Um, yeah, you've created an isolated growing environment. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's literally like a controlled space, um, in your container. So, Uh, Again, pros and cons. You can grow so many different things in different containers because you're controlling each little tiny, you know, micro environment, if you will. Yeah, a lot of folks choose to grow their blueberries in containers because they require so much acid. And I looked out, I've got an area where I had some pine trees taken down. And so those pine needles contribute a lot of acid to the soil. It's great for acidic loving plants or acid loving plants. But if that's not really something that you have access to, or you're on an apartment balcony, it's really easy just to add acid and the proper nutrients that those sort of plants need when you're just confining them to their own little pot. But the other thing Mandy was trying to get at is when you don't have worms, you don't have outside nutrients and resources for that pot of soil to draw from. So it's more management and a little bit more labor intensive because you do have to stay on top of fertilizing or that plant is not going to thrive. It has nowhere to get nutrients from adding soil, potting up. We'll talk about that here. I think anything though can really be used as a container. So long as you're providing drainage, that's the key. Mm -hmm. A lot of plants love water and they need it, but they don't love sitting in it and they don't having soggy feet. They don't want their roots wet all the time. I honestly think marshmallow is the only plant that I know of. And that's why the word marsh is in its name is because it likes to grow in a boggy type setting. Everything else needs drainage. So you have to have holes. Sometimes you buy pots and they don't have holes in them. You have to drill the holes. Um, Little pro tip, and this will be in the show notes. You can put a layer of gravel about a half inch to an inch thick in the bottom of the pot and it will help with drainage. The reason that that helps rather than just putting dirt is because dirt can cake and it can clump. If you have little pebbles and rocks there of varying sizes, that water can drain through there and ensure that it's draining out of the pot, which is helpful. Yeah, kind of like succulents. I mean, you kind of think about container gardening, and when we are saying container gardening or small space gardening, we're talking about like tomatoes and peppers and things like that, like, you know, food, but it is very um, parallel to, in my opinion, like growing a houseplant because you have to treat it you're babying it a little bit more, honestly. Um, again, pros and cons, like it's right there on your patio or whatever. You don't have to walk to the garden, but it does require a little bit more upkeep, like Angela was saying. Mm-hmm. I think too, it could involve a little more creativity, right? Because if you're trying to grow more food in less space, we talked about growing up on trellises before, but there's vertical planters you see, um, you know, they'll become in like weird configurations. I shouldn't say weird, but interesting configurations where 
they'll have like, maybe they managed to fit 12 little pots, 12 separate spaces for growing plants in one vertical space. It's like a tower. Or I've seen urban gardeners, um, you know, like apartment terraces and balconies, they use those hanging shoe organizers with the pockets. And it's made of this fabric that kind of wicks moisture out. So it works and they just plant things in their gutters are common for strawberries. They, I've done that. They work really well. You can also do lettuce in there, anything with a shallow root system. Um, but that all being said, like when it comes to a container, as long as it drains moisture, yes, that's true, but they are also not all equal. So if you have a black pot, let's just use common sense. You put a black pot out in the sun, a dark color container, it's going to heat up quicker, right? Because the darker colors, they heat up faster in the sunlight. Same thing goes for like a steel, like steel raised beds. I love that industrial look. They look amazing, but they get hot. So if you're going to grow in one of those, you're going to need a hot, loving, sun loving plant, like a pepper, uh, something like lettuce that's prone to wilting. You're not going to want to set in a stainless steel pot in the sun. You're going to be working a lot harder to keep that plant cool. Um, I love terracotta. I think it's gorgeous. We all like, you know, people pay oodles for use terracotta pots on eBay because they like that patina on the outside. That's just for minerals that build up and occur from the water on the outside of a pot. However, it takes a lot more water to keep those plants in terracotta pots dry because that's what terracotta does, right? It wicks moisture away. It's essentially clay. Um, so those are some things to keep in mind. We'll keep some tips in the show notes for how to kind of retain some moisture within your pots. But those are things to keep in mind when it comes to picking out your vessel or container. And then obviously pick an appropriate size pot. You don't want something super small. Yeah. And then we'll go, we'll come I mean, We kind of talked a little bit about potting up when we talked about starting seeds and things like that, or transplanting earlier in a previous episode, but just kind of circling back. So like for all plants, but um, when we're talking about containers and you have control over this environment, they just need the basics, but the basics are going to be, you know, obviously your nutrients. So very, you know, your good soil, your amendments, your fertilizers, whatever you use, whatever you're you know, most comfortable with, but you're working a little bit harder. And then obviously water and Angela was kind of touching about on, you know, um, ha- having the appropriate drainage and things like that um, per, you know, the specific plant. Um, and then obviously you need sunlight. Um, that would be what I, you know, consider to just be a basic nutrient or, um, you know, thing that you need for all plants. But, uh, that's something to, to also keep in mind when we're talking about all these cool things, you know, there's the shoe rack and the gutter and, you know, whatever, some type of pot, or they, like you said, they have those like tower things that I use, you see a lot lately, which are incredible. You can grow a lot of food in them. I've, I've never done um, those types of like stock looking things, but they seem pretty neat, but you have to make sure a lot of times when we're, we're putting these things on like a patio or whatever, our homes, um, will kind of shade them. But good thing is you can move them around. All those things are just very, you know, good recap to kind of keep in mind. Um, I think too, we should probably just really drive home the point that you need potting mix. Not yeah. seed starting mix, not raised bed mix. It's got to be potting mix because it's formulated differently. It all comes down to science and soil and nutrients and the ability to hold moisture. It is comprised of different 
pieces than your seed starting mix would be, which we talked about before, doesn't even actually have any soil in it. It's different than raised bed soil because raised bed soil really at some point is going to intermix with your in-ground soil, right? So yeah. really make sure that you are using appropriate soil for the vessel that you're growing in. They truthfully do have different nutrients in them. I mean, you can get very overwhelmed going to the store um, and, and, you know, there are so many, so many different fertilizers and bags and bags of different, this is a raised bed. This is a, you know, a succulent, this is a cactus, this is a whatever type of soil. Um, I don't want to use the word gimmicky, but I will. Uh, some of them are gimmicky, but really truthfully, most of them do matter. Um, because we, we keep talking about, you have this very controlled environment that you're putting your plants in, you have to feed it appropriately. Um, meaning really, if you think about it in theory, it's going to need more food that you are providing for that plant in the container because it doesn't have all that outside stuff. So basics, just, just keep in mind that it's going to definitely need the basics. Do you want to talk about windowsill gardening or I don't know? I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing that a lot of folks do with like herbs and stuff. Yeah. So it's a nice way to keep green in your life for us Northern climate folks during the winter months, right? It's nice to have a little green. There's a lot of things that you can grow indoors. Um, you'll see a lot on social media or it gets kind of trendy to see people growing microgreens on their window ledges. You don't really need a whole lot of light for that because you're just essentially sprouting the seeds and taking that initial growth as a food source. Um, so microgreens are an option for a windowsill garden. Uh, herbs are great. You can bring herbs indoors that you've grown outdoors over the summer months. You can start seeds and keep those on a window ledge. It's just a nice way to get some fresh greenery. Again, using appropriate containers, soil, making sure they get adequate sunlight and keeping them hydrated. Um, lemon trees and citrus trees up here in the north, those are very popular indoor garden item throughout the winter. In fact, I think the hardware stores start selling them here in like November and December because people give them as gifts. Um, I have those. I do keep them in the greenhouse in the wintertime with a grow light because I find that the way my house is positioned, we don't get adequate sun and my house is just very dark. So they need grow lights. Windows don't work for me. But if you have like a south, southwest facing window, that's perfect. They'll do really well there. Again, just make sure you're providing them with a specific citrus fertilizer. Not all fertilizers are equal for plants. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of things that you can grow indoors. Um, sure. if, it, it, even if it's not wintertime and maybe you're just not ready to make the leap into outdoor gardening, you know, just, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it just keeps it more accessible too. I mean, windowsill, so there are certain plants that require like not as much sunlight. Um, it's one of those things that kind of will hinder some container gardening. Like I mentioned with the shading of the house chives, very, I mean, like you could literally grow chives and probably a shoe in your basement. Like they are so easy to grow and they don't require very much sunlight. Um, and you cook with them. Um, mint also some varieties of mint don't require a lot of, um, sunlight. So great herb to have, uh, in the window still, especially over the winter time, you know, that it'll fragrance your, your home. And then you can pick off a little leaf and make a drink. Um, lettuce, even lettuce is a partially yes. shaded crop, partially yes. sunlight crop. You can grow yes. that in a window. So absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but like the, the very trendy or fad type, um, 
candidates, if you will, for herbs and types of, you know, those types of things that you see in the windowsill, you know, sage, oregano, basil, parsley, all of those things can be grown in a, a little pot in your windowsill and mm-hmm. um, throughout the year, but specifically <clears throat> in, in a South facing window in the winter. I think, you know, another common thing people see is those kitchen scrap gardens and windows, which I've done and it does work. Certain things you can cut, even if you get them from the grocery store. We're talking like a head of lettuce, celery will do it, um, green onions. There's a few more, but you can take the scrap, sort of the base of a lettuce head, for example, and set it in some water and just in a shallow dish and put it in the windowsill. And you have a little hydro garden, right? It doesn't need soil. It's thriving. It has sun. It has water. And it works. And it's a cut and come again option. There are tons of resources online and in books about cut and come again or sort of um, kitchen scrap gardens that you can grow right in your windowsill. I think that one thing to keep in mind with regard to container gardening, um, we're talking a lot about small crops, small herbs. You wouldn't want to bring in a full-size standard apple tree and put it in a pot and bring it indoors and set it in a window or put it on a garden balcony and say, here we go. This is this is going to be good. I mean, it, it, it does take a little bit of sense, right? A realization that if I'm going to be growing something in a smaller environment, we want it to thrive. We should probably get a smaller size species. So we're talking espalier fruit trees. You can go back and figure out what that is in the orchard episode. Um, We're talking about dwarf citrus trees, dwarf fruiting trees that can thrive in a pot. Um, There's corn varieties that don't grow to get like six feet tall or whatever. They just are small, like 36 inch corn plants. You can do those. You can do shorter bean crops. Bush beans are great. Um, We have a list in the show notes of container appropriate crops. We're talking corn, tomatoes, peppers, um, obviously greens. There's different strawberries. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that I sourced from the Farmer's Almanac that will tell you which varieties of carrots or onions are best suited to growing in a container. And it will also suggest the container that is most appropriate. So, for example, Farmer's Almanac said, yeah, for onions... That's awesome. You can grow white sweet Spanish or yellow sweet Spanish indoors, or you can grow it in a, in a container, but make sure you do it in a window box. So check out the show notes if this is sort of the, the growing space that you're in, because it I think it's a big help. I loved that article when I found it. Yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> we, we keep, like you said, we keep talking about small plants um, and we, you know, and directly kind of talking about herbs and things like that, but you can go grow, not that herbs are not real food, um, doing my air quotes, but we in a previous episode talked about reading the seed packets when you're seed shopping and doing all of that you it will give you tons of information when you are searching for things that you want to grow on how much space that plant needs so if you just have you know we're, we're taking like and maybe maybe you're not in a um suburban setting maybe you still are in a rural setting but you only have a couple raised beds or a couple like a very small spot or or what have you it's still you still have to take into consideration the amount of space that you have per plant so you can i mean things like radishes onions are very um sought after they do not require a lot of space spinach carrots 
Um, all of these things with careful consideration can be grown in pots. I mean, literally I've seen people grow, like you said, corn in pots. Um, you can get, it's, it's crazy. Um, but it's something that I, I wanted to call to attention because if you're, if you have, um, a 12 inch, a 12 inch pot or you know, 16 inch pot, whatever, a little bit bigger, you want to grow broccoli, you're going to get one head of broccoli that. I mean, like, so it's just very, be very mindful of the space and what you want to grow. Um, but it, it's all just, it all is just so doable and attainable. So I think another thing um, that helps folks, or I hope that can help folks. If we don't have a ton of growing space, you don't have a lot of space to vine out. You're on a balcony, whatever it is, a porch, vertical gardening. So you grow up when you cannot grow out. Um, and I don't care how big of a space that you have. It is, I think so beneficial to grow things up sometimes versus out. Uh, I mean, for, for many, many reasons I've noticed, uh, across the season it increases your yield. A lot of times with certain things, your pest management, um, the pet it's, it's reduced, meaning what you have to actually do to help with pest management is reduced. Um, certain, certain plants, if you're growing up, it can create like a privacy barrier. Um, I don't know what else it's, it's easier to harvest the things. Um, it increases airflow, which reduces powdery mildew on things like cucumber. Yes. Yes. You, when you're watering, um, we, I don't know if we touched on this at all, but a lot of plants, you know, obviously when, when it rains, that's natural and the whole plant is being rained on, but a lot of folks do, you know, like irrigation or self waters or something like that. If you have a very small garden and it's watering from underneath, which is what you should do. We did talk about it when we're seed starting. Um, so when you grow vertically, when you water, you're really just watering the roots, you're not watering the whole plant, which is where the water, you want the water to go anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, it's visually appealing and we have, I hope driven home the message that circling all the way back to the beginning and why we started this podcast and what we kind of, you know, our, our values and our mission and our, you know, the, why we do what we do is, uh, anybody can do it. Right. So it, it's not homestead. The homestead mindset is not like a one size fits all, which is, can be applied to every single thing that we talk about. So in regards to growing, um, and I don't really know what I'm trying to say here. Well, there's just some badass urban gardens that you see, right. And they probably grow more food than I do. And they're I think growing. it's because they figure it out. I think it's because it, they have to figure it out. They have, they don't have acres and acres to just like put seeds in the ground, but they're figuring it out. And their yields are, like you said, sometimes more than ours. Oh, for sure. Like I've seen, um, like we talk about like a strawberry gutter garden, right? They're not growing one horizontal line of gutters with strawberries. They're growing tiers and then they angle it. So that they're all just at a slight angle downward and they create sort of this water slide effect where they water the top gutter and that water flows outward towards one end and then it drips down onto the next level of the strawberries and then it that's at an angle. So that and so like they're reusing water and it's so smart and they're like 
talk about maximizing your space, right? And they're doing it on the side of a fence in a neighborhood. It's amazing. Potato towers. I've done this. And I think honestly, it was the best tomato crop I've ever had, or excuse me, potato crop. You create like this lasagna effect in a tower. And I did it with like some chicken wire and he put some straw on the bottom and then put some dirt on there and then layer in some seed potatoes, more dirt than straw Then start again, dirt, potatoes, dirt, straw, and you're layering it. And what happens is the potatoes grow out the sides of the tower from the chicken wire. They can fit through the holes in the wire. And you have a ton, a shit ton of potatoes in a tower. Honestly, they were some, they're seriously some of the best potatoes I've ever had. There was no, there was, there was less um, insect issues, right? Because I didn't have the same insects in this container as I would if they were spread out horizontally in the natural landscape. Um, I mean, it definitely does have its advantages. It's awesome. The other thing that you can kind of start thinking about and playing with if you really want to is companion planting. So we don't need to save companion planting for raised bed or in-ground gardening. I had grown once some cucumbers in a pot on my patio and I saw that they were getting a little bit chewed up by some beetles. So I just started planting radishes around it. It solved the problem. So companion planting absolutely does still apply to pots. In fact, I don't know about you, but I love when you see a pot that's more full and more lush than when you just have like one static plant in the center. So, I mean, you could still grow your tomato in a pot and then plant flowers around it to attract pollinators, plant herbs around it to try to maximize your space and your food yield. Um, it's absolutely not just for large scale gardening. It's just, it's just smaller. I think what I was trying to say earlier is when we think about homesteading and, and, you know, I think a lot of people put, I'm going to say us because we're homesteaders. I think we're put in like a box and like, like you said, like, this is what it has to look like. I think it's the exact same for when people think about growing food for their family. Like people envision, like you mentioned in a previous episode, like the very long, long fields of lettuce or carrots or whatever it is, you know, hoop houses full of tomatoes. And it does not have to look like that. I mean, it's going to absolutely look different for every one of us. And I think the goal here is to try to, to try to drive that home, to try to tell you that what you're doing is awesome. And what you're doing, it might not be the same thing that we're doing or your neighbor's doing, but you're doing a damn good job. Totally. And using to that end, that example of the long rows of crops, um, there's a lot of disadvantages to that. You get a pest infestation, it's going to spread like wildfire. But if you are able to take a smaller space and implement polyculture, which is the simple process of mixing a whole bunch of different plants together that grow well side by side, you've now dispersed your pest problem, right? So container gardening, we're not just saying, what we're trying to say is, hey, this isn't just like some small scale version of a homestead. No, it is actually quite effective. It's advantageous. And to say that, well, I can't grow any food at all because I I have I don't have space. You do, you actually yeah. do have space. Yeah, I mean, I I grow containers in our garden. I mean, I'm just like thinking of planning for next year. We have I don't know how many raised beds, a lot, forty. It seems like in regards to if we're talking about like a four by six type of space, but we also just have pots out there. Um, so I I don't know where the mindset, you know, set in that, um, 
you know, you have to grow and raise bed or a plot or something like that, but you absolutely don't mix and match and, um, you know, do what, do what suits best for you. For sure. Do check out the show notes today. We've got, I think these are some of my favorite show notes we've had so far. There's a lot of good info in here, a lot of specifics on those crop varieties, like the actual name of the variety of the plant. So if you're interested in seeking out some seeds, this might be a good place to start. Also, again, has suggestions for appropriate types of containers for those particular varieties. Um, so there's there's a good resource, resource there for you. Um, I don't have anything else to add today. Do you? I don't. I think that I feel a little bit just kind of like fired up, but about, you know, wanting people to know that they're doing a good job and it, it, it doesn't have to look like mine or yours. And, um, yeah, we're, we're here. If anybody has questions and, um, check out the show notes, like Angela said, and have the very best day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Homestead Education Podcast. Any relevant material will be put in the show notes. We hope you'll share our episodes and also click that subscribe button. For more information about this podcast, you can visit us on Instagram at Homestead Education Podcast. Angela can be found online at axeandroothomestead.com and on Instagram at axeandroothomestead. Mandy can also be found online at thefarmermandy.com and on Instagram at Wild Oak Farms. We'll see you next time.